Denver takes out Miami. We'll do a little Tales from the Couch. And something I was thinking about last night, the benefit of an injury, something you thought was terrible, maybe actually helping this group. I'm not sure. It's just a working theory. We're going to talk with Austin Rivers, uh, his time with the Nuggets and playing against them. Some really cool Jokic stuff. And then where Jamal Murray stacks up against the guards in the West. Uh, life advice in a full-blown Nephew Kyle recap. Big boy got married this weekend. It's the Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The Nuggets are your champs. They win it in game five last night in Denver. Congrats to a city that I've always loved. And it's always crazy, you know, as I've mentioned in the past, like you go to all these venues, you look at the history, and then you look up and you see a banner. And then you're like, wait, when was the last time they did something? Or they only have what a division banner? And again, you know, obviously Denver's won the West a couple of times. But to be a franchise that's been around this long, and then it's like, no, 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 last night. Last night's the first time you won a championship. It's just a reminder how hard this is and why you should go all in probably more often than not, even if you think it's a mistake. Like if you're giving yourself a chance to win a championship, not saying that that's my absolute rule across the board, but you know, this is really, really hard. All right. That's why I probably take it easier on some GMs. That's why I probably take it easier on some players. It's just incredibly hard to do this. And you can be spoiled because of what the Lakers and the Celtics have done throughout all those years and the Bulls in San Antonio. But that is not normal. That's not normal. And for Denver to go this long, uh, just really happy for the organization, happy for the city. All right, let's get to it. So a weird game, man. Really weird game. Uh, the Bam throwing it out of bounds when he had Jamal Murray sealed at the rim. You know, there's these discoveries and these internal things that you'll look at with each player. You'll be like, wait, is this guy who I think he is? Or is this guy a little bit more? Or is this guy a little bit less? I think, unfortunately, for Bam, um, who's terrific, who I was, you know, I couldn't put Sabonis not on an all-NBA team when we looked at the depth at center at the top. But, like, I really thought about it with Bam. And I still would have voted him, I think, Defensive Player of the Year last year if he would played a full season. But I think the summary, you know, the conclusion on Bam is that you know, he's really good, but he can't be relied upon to carry you offensively in quarters where the other number one guy doesn't have it. And don't worry, we're going to get to Jimmy Butler. But that's the case for like a lot of teams. Like, hey, if our number one isn't totally, if it's not happening, can this person get their own offense enough? And the problem is, is that for Bam, I think the frustration is that we see flashes of it where he is really aggressive, 
But I thought there were too many times throughout this series he was not aggressive enough, whether it was Jokic in foul trouble, which we get to a little bit later. But that specific play against Jamal Murray, and it wasn't even that he threw it out of bounds. It was one of the mix-ups of where the three-point shooter is supposed to be positioning himself. A lot of these passes that we think are amazing are actually kind of like predetermined quarterback reads. Um, so in that case, he's thinking somebody's already there. He's not even looking. It's not the pass. It's that he didn't want to go at Murray, who was at the rim. So Butler gets a couple bullshit free throws. Um, that was something that was happening early. He actually missed both of them. Those are the only two misses. He was 9-11 on free throws. That was at 6-5. Denver went up 12-5 and then 18-16. I thought Miami kind of sucked on some of these cuts that actually were in front of them, which was weird to see. You know, normally when we saw some of the back cutting against the zone, it was because the low man would lose somebody in the corner or they'd be late on the closeout. But then they started having cuts that were happening just in front of them. Jokic picks up his second personal foul at 18-16. I thought that foul was really stupid. Trying to get a charge in transition. The refs don't want to give it to you because the game shouldn't want to give it to you. They just, if everybody was just jumping in front of everybody on outlet passes, it would be even worse than it is now in some of the block charge stuff. But then Aaron Gordon has two personal fouls. Both of them are out. Enter Jeff Green. Um, Bam ends up going right at Jeff Green and the end one. So to be dismissive against Bam being like he's never, that's not true. He's definitely aggressive. It's just that I think you'd want to see it in game versus the situation a little bit more. And in this case, there's no Gordon, there's no Jokic. And he's like, all right, I'm actually just going to go right at Jeff Green. Gets the end one. Miami starts putting together a run here. DeAndre Jordan in the game. I did not expect to see him in the NBA Finals. Uh, at that point, <laughs> it's 22-18 Miami. DeAndre Jordan's in, Miami's playing a zone, and I'm at home going like, what the hell is going on with this game? Uh, Michael Porter Jr., active though, getting his boards, which he was just much better rebounding, I think, throughout the playoffs than what you'd expect. At the end of the first quarter, it's 24-22, and Bam ends up having a solid first quarter, despite what I was thought, I was thinking there in the beginning of that first play. Uh, Strews got it going a little bit there. Butler's starting to get some of the free throws or the fouls. I was like, all right. You know, I'm always looking for that because that was such a big part of Butler's game this year and what took him to another level on some of the metrics. Uh, as far as the Denver side of this, you know, you're probably at this point really upset about the officiating in the game. The second Murray foul was a terrible call. Jokic's second foul, I mentioned in that transition, that was just an awful play by him. And I thought the Aaron Gordon third foul was the right call. So I had no issues with that. Aaron Gordon ended up only playing 29 minutes in this game, one of six. Uh, Jokic is back in at 32-37. Miami was plus seven during that stretch. I personally have a problem with attributing the free throw to Jokic when he subbed in because the two free throws really count against the previous group that was in there. The overall on the Jokic on-off for the series, I think, was a minus three for Denver, which is a massive departure of who they were in the regular season. Um, so that's a ma that's such that's such a huge, huge win and something I'd always track. Like, how are they doing in the non-Jokic minutes? Part of it's shortening up the rotation. Part of it's playing Jokic just more, which is a big, big deal with this whole thing. But now we're looking at Jokic in foul trouble again. And then on top of that, it's Gordon. So... Jokic comes back in, and this is kind of back to the bam hesitation stuff where you're like, okay, bam, bam, like go at him. Jokic just get a couple two, give him the open side. It doesn't matter. Like, even if you don't make the shot or if it's blocked. And I think this is another discovery throughout this series is that despite what you think of Jokic at the rim, certain things that you would try against him with bigger guys, and again, Miami's very undersized, so they're not going to be able to exploit any of this stuff, is that Jokic just being there, being big, being in the way, that is a deterrent. To offensive players. You don't always have to be the quickest. You don't have to jump the highest, but just being big 
can be a win. And it's why when you look at rosters going into next year, you're like, why is that guy on a roster? Well, because I think a lot of teams still believe in this stuff and a lot of coaches do. And I think it's a value that is completely dismissed now. Um, and Jokic actually brings a little of that. And I think some of the defensive stuff with him, if you watch these games, you're like, okay, this isn't a disaster out there. And it isn't. But I would have liked to see Bam go, all right, he's right back in with the two fouls. Let's see if I can change the tide of this game and get him a third. And that didn't happen. Then Lowry shows up and he starts taking threes and making them all over the place. At 47-39, we saw a Jokic mistake. Straight up, just a bad pass. You don't see it very often. Butler takes it, goes the other way for the layup. It's 47-39, and you're wondering if Miami's going to find a way to trick everybody in Miami to think they're actually winning this series. Um, Denver can't hit a three. They're one of 14 on threes versus four of 13 for Miami, so it wasn't like they were lighting it up. At the half, it's 51-44. Denver's one of 15 from three. Aaron Gordon, I believe it played seven total minutes after picking up that third foul. Malone, once you're in foul trouble, you know, I don't know that the, hey, did you hear Rosillo criticize Malone this morning after he won an NBA title? Uh, but that seemed to be a constant theme. Once his guys got into foul trouble, he would protect them almost to a point where I think it was like a lot, but whatever. All right. Butler, though, two of eight at 53 47 in this game. Um, Denver goes to 1-17 and 17 on threes. And by the way, a lot of these were open. And Malone was asked, like, what do you think is going on with threes? Like, how do you feel about the looks? He's like, I feel great about the looks. And he was absolutely right. Denver couldn't make open shots at home in an elimination game, which, again, I think speaks to something we can also dismiss at times. That was a very tight group collectively out there for much of that game. Whether it was Miami fighting elimination or Denver going like, we really don't want to have to go back to Miami uh, these two groups that have done so many impressive things, even they, when it really mattered, and the tenseness, um, the pressure of that game, you could see the players wearing it throughout, which also, you know, it's a bit like the U.S. Open in golf. Like, it's also kind of fun to see guys struggle. Uh, at least I felt that, even though it wasn't a beautiful game or anything like that. It was just, who's going to get through this? Who's mentally going to get over, hey, my first 20 minutes weren't that good? And, and who's going to show up? Because for Jimmy Butler, it felt like it was taking forever. Um, Butler had a wide-open pull-up shot at 66-56, and he left it short. He kept kind of dribbling hard and then jump-stopping and then staying down on his feet. And if he's not getting those free throws, he just wasn't comfortable. And on that 60-56 miss, I'm like, man, he's actually hesitant. Like, what's happening here? If there's one thing we think of Butler, it's, okay, you can miss a bunch of shots, but you should still be trusted to be mentally tough enough in these in these areas. And, you know, at this point of the game, you're like, they're still up. Denver can't make a shot. They've had some foul issues here. You need to step up. And it still didn't happen until a little bit later. At 60-60, Gabe Vincent takes a Trey Young Summer League three. And you're like, whoa, my man's pulling up from deep here. Misses Murray the other way, three. And I wrote down on my notes being like, will that be the game? Kind of felt like, okay, maybe now they're going to go on a run and that's game. But it wasn't. It wasn't game. A third quarter, Denver's D stepping up. They take their first lead at 69-66. Uh, their first lead since 18-16 on a Michael Porter Jr. three. But then Lowry starts answering all this stuff. Lowry 
was arguably the most impressive player for the Heat last night. He should not be taking 13 shots in an NBA Finals game facing elimination. And at one point, he felt like he was their best option because he was the most comfortable, which is saying something for somebody in the beginning of his playoff career, looked like the opposite. Maybe that's the ring. Maybe that's all the battles. But credit to Lowry for just going, all right, I guess I got to do this for a little bit of a stretch here. So you've got Denver's defense stepping up, the turnovers for Miami, Butler at this point a no-show, and Miami's in this thing. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's because Denver can't make a three and they're not making any of their free throws on top of everything else. So it's 75-74 after a Murray three. I'm starting to track Butler here. He drives, he's blocked. He drives again, he misses. Um, he's He drives again and then kicks out. Then at 6-10, Butler passes up a wide open three and then swings it to Caleb Martin, who's going to have almost no time to get the shot off before the shot clock violation on a drive uh, and it was a shot clock violation and then Butler drives on another pass and I write down on my notes here I'm like he's passive uh, the fourth quarter shooting here for Miami is abysmal they're 2 of 13 at this point but they're taking more shots than Denver uh, and then Butler actually takes a wide open three and misses it and I'm thinking okay at least he actually took it and this is where playoff Jimmy showed up for a bit Right, He hits a three. KCP goes back and hits a three. Butler, another three. Butler, what I thought was one of the worst calls I've seen all season long. He drives hard to the right corner, goes up, kicks Aaron Gordon just left of the sack, it appears, because Gordon didn't really react much unless he's a cyborg. They review it, and then they actually just upheld the call. And Butler goes for 11 straight points here, makes it 87-86 Miami. And at this, I'm like, what? This is going to happen again? Because everybody had turned on Butler. You know, the playoff Jimmy jokes are out there. I'm sitting there. Like, I think I saw one thing, Jimmy Asler. I don't think that's fair. Um, Jokic gets a bucket. We're back and forth. Butler, Butler free throws, 89-88 Miami. The last points the Heat would score. Butler had a couple bad plays there at the end, and ultimately, with a chance to go up, he stops in the lane again. That that stop, two-foot land, what do I do, what do I do? And he just throws it the other way. All-time awful pass. And then we play out the last few possessions in Denver. They're your world champs. So let's review a couple things here. Uh, Jokic, 600 points, 269 rebounds, 190 assists throughout the playoffs. He is now the only player in NBA history to lead all players in each of those categories in a postseason. No one's ever done it. No player has ever led points, total rebounds, total assists. Denver went 5 of 28 from three, just under 18%. 13 of 23 on free throws, 57%. They were plus six in turnovers. They had 12 less field goal attempts, despite 13 more rebounds. Really, the offensive rebounds were even. It was their least efficient game on offense all postseason. And according to John Schulman at NBA.com, the least efficient game for a playoff winner in the 90 postseason wins, including the play-ins that we had this year. So no other team had won a game like that, being that bad on offense. Miami. I realize after the Celtics series, this doesn't feel accurate, but it kind of gets back to now, look, I've been wrong about Miami. This is the, the last thing I ever want to give off here are victory lap vibes because I'm not taking one and I'm, I'm 
because they lost to Denver. This isn't. I've been wrong about them the whole time. I can't believe they were in, even in here. But my philosophical <laughs> beliefs on who a basketball team needs to be to even be this far, which they, which they challenged at times. Like this is why when people are like, "Well, you know, Miami, you do it the Miami way." What Miami did was incredible, but that's not the way you'd ever want to build a team. It's just too many possessions in big spots where you're like, especially when Butler doesn't have it, especially when Butler's not Milwaukee Butler. All right? To ask that consistently of other dudes to carry you offensively where you, you, you have a collection of, despite all the individual success stories that so many guys on that roster are, you can't be asking guys in the NBA Finals who are 20-point or zero-point guys. And what I mean by that is if I told you Max Struess had 20 in a finals game, would you be surprised? No. If I told you he had zero, would you be surprised? You'd also say no. And I think four of their top seven rotation guys, minutes-wise, they could have zero or 20 and none of us would be surprised. It's incredible that they even made it this far because that design normally doesn't even get you here. And yet it got them through Boston. So again, it sounds a bit like, well, wait a minute. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I guess we should say is almost everything I believe in sports Never happening is 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 probably not the way to land on anything. But, well, that could never happen. Well, it just did happen, but it's still never going to be something I believe in. So, Butler finishes with 22, four and a half boards a game, six and a half assists. The assists are up. The boards are down. The shooting is 41%, actually 37% from three, a little bit more than you would have thought. And then six free throw attempts per game which was good since the beginning of this final series where it wasn't even close, but it was still as low as free throw attempt per game series of any of them this, uh, this run, right? Now, going back to Milwaukee, because now it's a bit of a, like, what do we do with Butler? He was 38-6-5 against Milwaukee. 60% from the floor, 44% from three. So when that was happening, you're like, this is this rare case of this dude, the Madison Bumgarner, analogy that I made where it's like, wait, is this just what he does? Is this just what he does? And when you're saying that, you're ignoring maybe another playoff series or two where he wasn't all that great. But it's that he goes from this group that he's never a part of to now wondering if that group has been wrong the whole time because he's doing it on the biggest stage to now where we land with Butler is like, you know what? I think the 10,000 foot view on Jimmy Butler was always the right one. He's awesome. He's a hell of a player. Everybody would really want him. But the reason we never bring him up into the top five is that he's not a dude like LeBron who could go, all right, I'm just going to have to do this. Or Steph, or obviously Jokic, or Giannis against Phoenix, even Luka in those Clipper series, right? Or the Phoenix series, maybe even a little Booker. And then you start adding up all the names and you go, oh, yeah, you know, I think we, we, where we had Butler before the playoffs is where we have him now. I don't know how much the game seven thing is going to hang on him to see him be that passive. Because that's a little weird. Like, it's one thing to be inefficient. It's another thing to not look comfortable. And when you're going to be out there, you know, talking like the toughest guy in the room all the time, and then when it really matters, it's like, wait, are you actually not wired that way? We'll probably mostly forget that stuff, and it won't entirely matter because you're not going to be going into next year wondering if Miami can get back to the NBA Finals. I still don't think that's going to happen, if you want to hit my early prediction on that one, and that Butler's going into it fighting for an MVP. So because he avoids all that stuff, he also avoids a lot of the criticism with it as well. 
I know the ankle thing's going to come up. Uh, he will not bring it up, right? He was defiant about it. Credit to you for not um, wanting to bring it up. But, you know, against Boston, he dominated those first two games. He won the series ultimately by getting those two games in Boston, and that's after the turned ankle against the Knicks. So if it were the ankle, I think we'd see a significant drop-off. And instead, we just saw somebody drop off from unsustainable numbers that he had against Milwaukee. I mean, he he had the game six against Boston where you were like, wait, should that have been the first warning? You know, he was really bad in that game. But, you know, you play enough of these, and if you're not peak LeBron, you're probably going to have a really bad game at some point. Last two thoughts. Uh, I I liked some of the conversation around Murray and Jokic with this, but I have a theory. Denver's being rewarded for their patience, right? For keeping it together especially when you compare that now with Boston where it was like, wait, can these guys play together? Oh, wait, they never should have broken them up. Oh, wait, is there a chance that Tatum and Brown shouldn't be together? And for the record, I still think, despite some of my frustrations with Brown as a player, uh, you know, you want two wings in their primes that are all-star level guys. Um, You know, you shouldn't be in a hurry to try to break that up. You just shouldn't. And it's like, look, you lost in the finals in an embarrassing Eastern Conference finals loss. It's not like you're going 40 and 42, right? Those are different conversations. And we need to do that more often. But the odd thing about the patients in Denver may have been because they didn't have a chance to be impatient. When Murray misses all of the playoffs in 21, misses all the playoffs in 22, the Jokic-Murray pairing doesn't actually even have an opportunity to be disappointing in the playoffs. Now, Bill and I were going back through it Sunday. He was like, look, if Murray were healthy, what does this mean? Dot, dot, dot. I don't know. You know, maybe last year. I don't think so against Phoenix two years ago. Uh, I could be wrong. but. We never got to see it fail. We only saw it in the bubble against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals in the five-game series where it wasn't even close. But if Murray had been healthy and they were to say lose to Phoenix and lose to Golden State, I don't think Denver would have broken it up. And maybe market-wise, Denver avoids some of the noise that some of the Northeast cities always have that once you fail, something has to change. But I don't know that it's patience. It probably would have been patience, but the reward of Murray actually not playing, which I'm not saying like, hey, it was a good thing that he was hurt, didn't play in two playoff years, but they weren't ever dealing with the doubt bullshit that so many top two guys deal with with so many other franchises, which sometimes is accurate where you're like, I don't think those two guys can do it. And sometimes it's like they just haven't done it yet. The final thought on the dynasty stuff. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. One, you have to be as motivated next year as you were the previous year never doing it before, right? The fighter who is hunting versus the fighter with the belts. Human nature tells us you're not going to fight as hard. Is Denver so dominant that they can take a step back with their focus? Although they did do it at the end of the regular season. Um I don't know that they are. Uh, the defensive numbers would tell you they weren't. The road number is is a weird number. They didn't win 65 games. But Jokic is so good that they're going to be in it. They're going to be in the mix. But the dynasty stuff, like the only way I would sign off on that is if I knew that Michael Porter Jr. was going to get to this next level as a player. And I thought some of his defensive stuff did get better despite getting benched twice in this series. I think twice. 
I don't I don't know that Porter Jr. all of a sudden becomes a guy that you can run your offense through. And if he were to become that, then I'm all for the dynasty talk. But let's get a let's get another one. Let's see a 60 win season. Let's let's see. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just see where you're at in comparison to what will likely be a not as weird West in the upcoming season. Again, congrats to them and Jokic, who I'm not going to be able to help myself. I just want to ask you a quick question here. Ask the audience this. We all think Michael Jordan's pretty good, right? LeBron James, pretty good. If you look at win shares, which in the propaganda against Jokic the last few years, any number that wasn't just points, rebounds, and assists, it was a made-up number, right, by the Embiid cult. And some of the numbers are, you want to bring up Raptor, Vorp? Like, yeah, I've made Vorp jokes. I'll admit it. But if you look at win shares, where each game over the course of a season, there's a stat where essentially you're assigning to who contributed what offensively and defensively to that win, and then it's a win share. The leader in playoff history in win shares per 48 minutes. So per 48 minutes, who has contributed the most in NBA history to his team winning playoff games? It's Michael Jordan, one. It's George Mikan, two. It's LeBron James, three. And it's Nikola Jokic, four. Not bad for a made-up number. Baseball season, it's in full swing. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash Ryan to join today. All right, who wants to get on board? A little nine-inning dish here. Toronto at Baltimore. We're taking the under. Eight and a half runs. Why? Because I said so. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com forward slash RG. First online real money wager only $10 deposit required refund issued with non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days restrictions apply see full terms at fanduel.com forward slash sportsbook this episode is supported by state farm so look a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway and at first you're like what is that i'm like oh it's just a little mark nope now by the end of the ride it's a big crack and it'd been a while so i check out the state farm app i go hey this is what happened and the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and 
even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Okay, the finals are over. Austin Rivers joins us now off guard every Friday with Pasha, the Ringer NBA feed. Uh, good to see you, man. What's going on? All good, man. All good. Just uh, enjoying the summer, uh, hanging out with family, watching these finals. A little painful for me, but still, <laughs> still watching them and trying to enjoy them. Yeah, I mean, is it tougher to have lost to Denver in the first round or to have been on the Nuggets uh, the last couple of years? They both were equally as bad, man. Uh, it was it was so weird playing against, uh, you know, the bros. And then they beat, you know, they beat us 4-1. Um, and then they go on and win a championship. It was just like, wow. Uh, but I'm happy for them. And, 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 you know, in all honesty, I, I love those guys. Um, I think that we would have had a chance to win last year and the year before if we had you know, a healthy Jamal. That's really just the difference. You know, they've added pieces, but we had pieces there last year as well, to be completely honest. If Jamal Murray's healthy on the floor last year with us, it's a whole different team. Um, you know, they they are not the they're not a championship team without Jamal Murray. Yeah, look, Jamal, Jamal really is that good. Like what help us understand like what this team is is like. Um because, you know, in the past I was like, are they good enough on defense? And you're right. Like last year I don't really worry about it all that much. And then, you know, you go back a few years ago, I already touched on this in the open where they lost the Lakers in five, but it was still like a little new, but, but what is the vibe of this team like in comparison to other teams you've been on? Low maintenance would be the first thing that comes to mind. Um, their best players are low maintenance and that's usually not the case. In fact, and 99% of the organizations, usually the highest paid guys are usually the most, I don't want to say dramatic guys, but they're usually guys that have a lot more going on or, you know, their schedule is a little bit more, you know, whatever. They're, the maintenance is higher overall on a day-to-day basis. And, and in this case with Denver, you got Jokic, who is, is about as normal as the superstars that they've ever come. And Jamal Murray is a guy who doesn't require any maintenance as well. They, they come to work. They're quiet. They do their job. Uh, they don't complain. They don't talk shit about the other teammate. They don't start stuff. They don't combat the coach they're not late to workouts they're not late to the bus they're not late to the plane i mean every single thing um is just professional and 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 as you would want your star to be and that's where it starts and when you have the stars acting like that no one else can do that and they just have a culture there just like everyone knows their role everyone knows they're playing through Jokic, you know and everyone kind of plays around that it's just a well-oiled machine uh where in comparison to other teams you have you know, stars, sometimes they compete with another star. You have guys trying to be this, you got, you know, uh, contract year this year. You know, those words aren't even brought up in the locker room, like over there. It's just a different type of culture. That's a great answer. It, it It's such a good answer because it is so rare. Um, you know, when I watch Jokic speak, it's funny because, like, I can always tell who's full of shit. Like, I right. think I've been watching right. this long enough where you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're the, you know, like, when somebody is almost so perfect, so over the top, like one of my favorite things is when we get a story about a draft pick that picked up garbage at a team function after and be like, oh, he's going to be awesome that he picked up garbage that shows like <laughs> knowing that if I pick up garbage right now, everybody's going to talk about how like right, great I am. <laughs> right, and now, right, right, now right. to be fair, there's some guys that sincerely see garbage on the floor and they're like, all right, I'm going to pick it up. But we all fall for it all the time. The media, we're all like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. This Jokic stuff is real though, isn't it? Like him yeah, not caring about any of this stuff. He, 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 tell me about it. 
I, I've we've been in a big game. I can't I, I can't exactly remember if it was a playoff game or not, but I just remember it was like a big game coming in the locker room to halftime. And this dude has his legs crossed in his locker playing a video game. Uh, it was on his phone, like just like a little, just a game. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what the hell is he doing? And he dominated the second half. Absolutely dominated. And I was just like, you know, it, it was like a lesson for me to understand everyone's process is different. You know what I mean? Because um, nine out of 10 times, if you saw that, you'd be like, what the hell is this guy doing? But for him, I, I, I don't know. I think he takes the game so, I don't like to say lightly because he's such a professional, but his approach rather sometimes can just be so just, I don't even know how to explain. He's so cool and, and, and collective to where, you know, even after bad losses, you know, he's just quiet. He moves the same way, never too high, never too low. I mean, you saw the interviews after the game last night. He was like, man, wait, I can go home now. Thank God I can go home. I just, let's give me he, that, that trophy of his is going to end up somewhere in a garage and he is going to go out and race some horses. And, and that is just about, and that's the mystique to him. I think that's why people really like him. I mean, it's, it's uh he's hard to market, but people are starting to like come around to his just like, I don't give a fuck nature. And I think personally, that's even why Jimmy said those things in that Hall of Fame thing that, you know, I wouldn't show up. You know, I, I love Jimmy. That's that's the homie. But there's no way there's no way you don't show up to that, bro. That's insane. Mike wait, wait, wait. Up. So wait, you think that Jimmy tried to like out Ida also don't care Joker? No, because I think because they both are of that type of like Jimmy's the same way. Like Jimmy, Jimmy likes, you know, his attention, but it's usually only for like big face his coffee brand or anything, everything else in his interviews is usually slated towards, you know, winning a championship or, you know, busting, you know, even when they went to the conference, the conference finals, bam, trying to hand him the trophy. Jimmy was like, I, I don't, I don't want to hold that. You know what I mean? Like Jimmy is cut from a very similar cloth to Jokic of where they, they had this, I don't give a fuck nature about them, that there's more to this basketball and it like helps them, I think, be so calm and just consistent. I, it's a, it's a very, rare and crazy skill, you know, to, to be able to have that, but they have this way about him. And I think yeah, Jimmy went a little too far because when he said that, when he said that, when he said the Hall of Fame comment, everybody's like, bro, you get invited to the Hall of Fame. You got to go. That's crazy. But uh, nah, yeah, that's just me being funny, but nah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, Jokic, Jokic is an animal, man. And he has this, this way about him that like, you just can't even explain. It's nothing like I've ever been around, bro. Nothing. Yeah. Cause normally if there's an athlete that every time something is deserving of individual accolades or just accolades in general. Like, Hey, now it's your moment. Now it's your moment. And then right. be this dismissive. I'd be like, I actually don't think I believe them because like you're going out of your way to keep hammering this. But I think part of it just could be the upbringing, like something I don't understand. Like, and I, I love what you talked about, you know, him just being that relaxed and making sure that it wasn't deemed like unprofessional, but if he wasn't good and was playing video games at halftime, you know, or if he had an awful second half and that kind of yeah, stuff gets yeah. out, that, right, then it's like, what's wrong with this dude? But it also kind of speaks to like the times that we, you and I have talked about your career a little bit. Like anybody, when you start thinking and you're so tensed up and you're like, I have to be all of these things, I have to be all these things, like we're all better at our stuff and we can mentally relax, but sports don't really let you be that way most of the time. No, 99%. It's a high pressure job. It's a high stress job. I mean, that's why every coach you see before and after picks, they got gray hair, man. It's the most stressful, you know, especially nowadays with the coaching jobs, it's like hot seats, but like it's, 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 it's one of those things where the job itself is to perform under pressure and to have a guy who has a natural, natural, not fake, 
real aura. Most guys are in their head all day, all game. And it just seems like Jokic is just, you know, I don't even know. He's into other things. He, you know, he's, he watches, he watches more uh, uh, overseas basketball. He doesn't NBA basketball. Like when I, after a game, I'll go home and turn on league past. He, he's watching uh, his friends play overseas. Could care less. You know what I mean? He just shows up the next day and just dominates. And it, it's just like, it's, it, yeah, I, I don't know if anybody else could get away with it. I think he's just, it's part of his greatest skill. And I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's fun to watch, man. He's, I mean, he just dominates the game. I mean, Miami had, and I give credit to Bam. Bam played his ass off. He played hard. He had a lot of good games. But Jokic is just like, he's just a whole different animal, man. I was really kind of keying in on Butler last night. Um, and, you know, he wasn't making shots. He was getting in the line a little bit. And then there was that stretch at the beginning of the fourth quarter. He passed up an open three. And then he had another one where he passed it to Martin. And I was like, what's going on? Then he went for 11 straight points. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know the ankle thing. I don't know if that's fair or not. You would know better than I would because he had, like, he basically won that series, I think, against Boston in those first two games, getting the first two on the road, yep. dominating those fourth, like having those moments. So that's after the ankle injury. I guess it was just, it was one thing to miss shots. It's another thing to feel like he was really passive and then he wasn't. And then, of course, yep. he has the big turnover. What did you see? Yeah, I thought, I thought uh, at times uh, he looked tired. Uh, understandably so, but he looked a little tired and winded. Um, and then I thought he lost a little bit of, I, I, it's hard for me to say he lost confidence. I don't like saying that, but it's, it's, it doesn't matter who you are. You miss some shots, especially game after game. You know, you think about the last dominant game we've seen from Jimmy, it would have been, I mean, you probably know better than me, but probably be game. I would say like middle of, I mean, really dominant, dominant. I just think what he did against Boston at the beginning of that series. That's, that's, that's my point. It's been, right. a, it's been a while. He hasn't played like his greatest, you know, basketball. We had 28 in game uh, seven, you know, but I, I just don't think it was as impressive still. Like he was getting those one-on-ones. He was getting those ISOs. He was, he was working the switches. He was initiating with the ball. Yeah. Like there was yeah. a possession, and this speaks to kind of what you said. It's not just about the shot attempts. Like there was a possession late in the first half where he had already checked out and was like hands on shorts and let Lowry go for the ISO. And I was yeah, like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Even even when Lowry hit the last couple threes in that third quarter, the end of third, he hit a couple big threes. Um, and then he went for like an ISO play. And my thing is just like, why doesn't like we were all watching the game, like, how the hell doesn't Jimmy have the ball right now? And it wasn't Kyle's fault. Like Kyle came down and like that's when he remember he did like the reverse pivot and tried to like shoot it you know, mid range. And then one time he got caught in ISO and Aaron just grabbed it from him in the air. It, it, it was like, where the hell is Jimmy? And I think he was a mixture of exhausted and, you know, he hasn't really shot the ball well. And then I think you saw, you know, he hit that one in the corner and for a basketball player, man, you hit one shot, one free throw. You just see that ball go to the net. It just does something to you, especially a three pointer where he hasn't shot the best. He hits that corner one, and Jimmy's that type of guy. That, like, you know, he hits one, he can hit like three or four in a row. And he, he almost, you know, brought him back at the end. But throughout the game, I, I didn't like his aggressiveness. I, I didn't like it. Uh, you know, Bam was there. Bam played well. I, I loved his assertiveness. I love his attack mode. He played pretty well throughout the finals. Jimmy's obviously had an incredible run in this playoffs and had so many dominant moments. It's hard to pick on him. Um, but I, I thought he wasn't as aggressive as I would have liked him to be last night. I would have liked him going out, just clip, clip unloaded, man. Just, just go out swinging. Go out swinging, man. 
you're down three, one, you're in Denver, you're, you're a team that's not favored. You know, clearly Denver's the better team. I, I would have liked him to had 30 shot attempts last night. I'm not even kidding, you know, just really go for it. Uh, but you know, he looked a little tired, I think. Yeah. And I think your point about him being tired too, like, cause we can get really obsessed, uh, obsessed with the box score stuff and shot attempts and all that. He wasn't making enough shots. And then he has that run, but it was just like, I had to remind myself, like, remember what he was doing against the Celtics early in that series? Remember how he would just dictate everything? And granted, Boston did a little bit better job of not allowing Derek White and Grant Williams and all these guys to be in awful ISOs where, like, one side of the the court is, is basically, I don't know, like, early on in that series, I'm like, why are you letting him work empty on this side and everybody's overloaded and you're just letting this happen all the time? But you knew he was at least dictating things. And I just don't know that we saw enough of that, uh, certainly last night. All right, let me move on to something else because we've covered that. Jamal Murray bump, it is happening now. This is what he's always wanted. I would argue that, you know, when you're hurt, you kind of are out of our everyday consciousness. That's what's cost him a couple all-star appearances potentially here. Um, but then when you start listing the guards in the West, it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. Who is he actually better than now? So the perception of him will have changed, even if the game isn't necessarily all that different. But like, where do you see him in the West with other, the other guards? I think he's a top-tier guard. I think he's a top-tier guard. Um, better than Josh? That's what I saw. Let me ask you this. Would you, would you rather, if you're starting a franchise, <laughs> no. would you rather start with... Would you rather start with John Moran or would you rather right now, would you rather have John Moran or would you rather have Jamal Murray? Look, um, that's, exactly. I mean, I can't possibly, but prior to like prior to the new evaluation question of if we drop this player off at a strip mall by himself for the afternoon, are we going to be okay? Um, <laughs> ja would have been the answer emphatically before everything that happened on both ends of it. So it's a okay, bit of so, an extreme. So, okay, so so take take the the gun stuff out of the way. I know that's okay. impossible to do, I but know. say we take that out of the way. You know what sure. I mean? Because Jaws still a good dude, man. He's a good kid. You know, he's just caught up in some 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 just really bad habits in the case of who are your friends right now. And I think you take all that aside for the moment. After Jamal's run, you you still would go, you still would go Jaw. I mean Jaw's younger, but you know, the only thing that would make me not take jaw is I'm still waiting for his like pelvis to break in half on a landing one day. But yeah, I, 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 the stuff that Jamal was doing, man, like, well, explain it to me. I'm, I'm not like fighting with you. I'm saying explain, explain it to me. I like guys who are able to, who are three level scores. The, 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 that's first and foremost my favorite. I don't like a guy who's dependent upon being in the paint. Um, it's very hard to win that way, especially in the playoffs when the when the floor shrinks and they don't call as much fouls. You know, there's been players been able to get away with it. Really, only Giannis. Um, even had seen LeBron at times through his finals experiences in the past, like early on, struggle with that just because he had to get his jump shooting and playmaking ability and just the overall way of thinking the game different. The only guy I've ever seen literally do it is Giannis. I mean, just absolutely just dominate the paint um, in the finals or through the playoffs consistently. And even Giannis, man, we've seen in plenty of series uh, where when they shrink that floor, it's very hard for him to 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 be himself. And Ja is a great talent. He's a freak athlete. His game is mostly right now predicated on athletic ability. Um, you know, the other parts of his game in terms of his shooting, passing, uh, you know, can he has, you know, talent there, but it's not something that he's consistent at. And Jamal's good at every single one of these. The only blip that you even have on Jamal is the injury. 
you know, you take that out of the way and how, how good he's been when he's been healthy. He's a three-level scorer who has a rapport with the best player in the league. I just don't see anybody else even being able to, you know, in terms of fitting on the Nuggets, I wouldn't replace him with any guard in the West. Maybe Luka, you know, something like that, if it's that crazy. But Fox? Yeah, I think I like Jamal. And Steph, you're just saying from an age thing, that's not... Yeah, I mean... Nobody's arguing him over Steph. Yeah, I'm not arguing nobody over Steph, man. Steph would be one. Um, But yeah, Steph and Luka aside in the West, Steph and Luka aside, I I would... you, You could pick Jamal over De'Aaron or Ja. Either or, if you pick Ja, I wouldn't have a problem either. But he's in that conversation. The only pushback I would give to Ja right now, my position would be a losing position. So I'm not even going to like get heated about it. It would be something we never thought we all now think. You know, it's something we didn't think for years. We now all think because of the last couple months. And that's, I usually think when we make mistakes with this stuff. But when you do the whole thing, it's not even a conversation. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, when yeah. you played him, when you played him in the first round, uh, did you go, uh oh, like it's it's on? Did anything change from what you thought of them from the from all you know all the other matchups and then being there to that first round? Was there anything that would like you go, okay, like what were you guys saying to each other on the Timberwolves side after you were playing them in that series? I mean, it was. I, I mean, I expected exactly what what happened uh, in terms of you know obviously I didn't think we were going to lose. I, I just knew how Denver would play. Um, I just I just know how they play being there, and you know I know how Nicola plays. It's just one of those things. First off, it was us. It was it, it was tough for us, man. We didn't have Nas Reed or Jada McDaniels, uh, which I think people are still undervaluing uh, as a huge blow to our team, especially with Jaden. Um, and what he does for for our first uh, first unit defensively, but playing against them, I knew once they beat us uh, that they were going to win. Um, you know, I called. I remember my pops was talking to me that next day as they were getting, I think, ready to go into the next round, and I was like, "Denver's Denver's coming out of the West," and it's kind of to the point that you alluded to earlier. Uh, the West was a, it's a weird year this year. There wasn't really a clear dominant team. In fact, the only dominant team was really Denver. Uh, everybody else was like, okay. I mean, the Lakers had a run, but you knew like roster for roster, like that team wasn't going to beat Denver. Um, people hoped they, they could, people thought they could, but like if you actually looked at that team, man, and like looked at who Denver was playing as the starting lineup for them, like, bro, it's not even just in terms of fit and how Denver is perfectly put together. Um, nobody's going to beat that team. I, I think role player for role player, how they're constructed, especially their starting lineup from point guard to top. It's just a very sound, very like coexisting team. They all complement each other. You know, the only one that can get a little out of pocket every once in a while is, you know, MPJ can throw up some wild shots. But hey, you, you know, you pay him $170 million. He's a scorer. Sometimes you got to let that thing go. You know what I mean? And he hits big shots sometimes. Just like last night, he went on a little run. He was huge for them last night. Even though he wasn't that efficient, you know, 16, I think he had 17 points and 16 shots, something like that. You know, he still was very timely. Uh, so their team is fitting. And I knew that team as a whole would just beat anybody right now. You know, Phoenix has two stars and no role playing, uh, you know, Dallas, we don't know what happened with that. You know, all the teams from last year, it's just been a weird year. Something was wrong with Golden State this year. People talk about how or why I'm not going to get into that, but there's a whole, you know, if you go across the board, our team had injuries. I mean, go across the board, who's in the West, uh, the Lakers just now started playing well, like two months, two months ago. 
there was no team to really challenge them. And they were solid from the start. That's why they had the best record at home court advantage. I, I knew once we lost them that, you know, they were probably going to go to the finals. Uh, and then after Miami went on this run, man, everybody saw it coming. Once Miami went to the finals, everybody knew whoever won the conference finals was going to win. And I love Miami. There's no disrespect. They played their ass off. But again, roster for roster, they cannot compete with, with Denver, man. They're just too sound of a, of a team. And Denver's not even deep. They play like six guys. They play like seven guys. Up the, they play Braun and, and Jeff Green off the bench with, uh, with Brown. They're eight deep. That's all they play. You know what I mean? They play eight guys. Before we get to some other stuff, just to go back to the guard thing, are we not including Booker in the conversation with Murray because we don't look at him as a point guard anymore? Yeah, I, I was saying because he's a shooting guard. Otherwise, okay. he's yeah. Otherwise, he's obviously in there. Uh, that, that goes without saying. Um, Would you rather I, have Booker or Murray? Booker. Okay. All right. I, I like Murray, man. Murray's good, but he's Booker is the best shooting guard in the NBA right now. I think Ant has a chance to be that. But I think uh, if you look at this past season, who was the best shooting guard in the NBA? I don't think anybody can. I think Devin was definitely the best shooting guard in the NBA. Totally off topic, but still NBA. I kind of like that Booker gets into it with guys where, like, when he got into it with Luca this year, I was like, yeah, no, good. Because Luca complains all the time. And the play he was complaining about specifically, I was like, all right. But then when I hear about Booker, it seems like other dudes really like him, like other guys in the NBA. Now, I don't know. You're looking at me right now. Like, I don't know if I'm totally off if, if you don't like him. Um, but is Booker considered like a popular guy by other NBA players? It's, it's tough because he hasn't floated around. He's only ever been in Phoenix. So you can only the only guys who really know him are guys who have played with him. You know what I mean? Um, so from the amount that I've known him, I, I've, he's always just been like a pretty quiet, you know, kid, you know, but he talks his shit when he needs to. Um, plays with a chip on his shoulder in the NBA a little bit. I think some guys, I think, you know, like it. Maybe some don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I look, I I just think it's always like well-timed, you know? I just always think like, like I okay, like I, I, I see what he's doing here. I do like his beefs with player. I, I don't mind talking like that and being competitive. I love the Luca, the Luca stuff with him. I like that he goes at Luca. I like that Luca goes at him. Uh, it's a mutual sign of respect, first and foremost. But I, I, after that, I like how they both want to go at each other and outplay each other. It, it's fun to watch, uh, and he has that with a couple players. Uh, I would like to see a, a Booker Tatum thing. There's nothing there. There's never been. They're very similar players. They're similar sizes. Tatum's a little taller, but so what. Another Western and East, but like I, those are like the two premier guards. I think we always view Tatum as a small forward, but like him and Jalen Brown are like both shooting guard, small forward, whatever, man. It's not even like a position in the NBA anymore. So it's just like that, that you know, I would like to see that at a thing. I, I would like to see that more of a competitive thing. Right now it's Luca Devin, it looks like. I don't know anybody else who's gotten into it with Devin. No, and that's, I guess I'm, I'm kind of like, thinking about the personalities of different guys. Because you know what? It actually, this is a good transition into Kyrie. And that I try to remind people only from stories that I hear, I'm like, other guys really like him, man. Other guys really like Kyrie the dude. And I'm always kind of yeah. like, why would you Why would you put your eggs in that basketball basket knowing that he hasn't been the most reliable guy for a million different reasons the last few seasons? And then I'll have an agent or I'll have somebody who you know runs in different circles being like, dude, I'm just telling you, you think whatever you want to think, Guys really like Kyrie the dude. Kyrie's everybody's favorite hooper's favorite hooper. 
You know what I mean? Um, he's one of those guys that people enjoy watching play. He is one of the most, and I've said this before, he is a, just a very, his game is attractive to watch. The way he dribbles the ball, his moves, his shots, he can finish left, he can finish right. You talk about a three-level score. This guy's a post-game. So arguably the greatest, probably under-the-rim finisher ever in the NBA with the he likes is. of a couple other guys. He is. Um, I, I, no, I don't even think it's really close, man, because yeah. I've gone into it, looked at it, because when I first said that, I'm so glad you said that. I said it on the Sports Center set, and everybody looked at me like I was the, you know, it was like, oh, Iverson, Iverson. You were like, Iverson had like a three-year window where he was great at the rim. You're right. If you look at Kyrie's finishing at the rim to sustain it, to have that package of different angles from what he does it, and yeah, he's it didn't really... I don't. I've never seen somebody his size finish as consistently well as he does. So we're in a complete agreement. On yeah, that. and his handle is always kind of overshadowed that because you know people talk about who has the greatest handle of all time. People throw Kyrie's name in there all the time, but one aspect I think really gets lost is his finishing ability at the rim with either hand and how he does it, and also the way it looks. Just the the, the cuffing, the spinning off the glass. I mean, it's uh, you know it's a, it's a it's a fun thing to watch and. He also is such an amazing player when he's so locked in. And when Kyrie is locked in, man, and competitive and guarding and playing on both sides of the ball, he is so good to the point where he's one of the best point guards in, in, in the NBA. Uh, his thing has always been Kyrie the dude is a great dude. It's just if you do know Kyrie, you know, Kyrie's just on his own time. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's a, you know, he's, he's a different guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just different. But Kyrie, for sure, is on his own time. And that sometimes doesn't coexist with, you know, the GM or president or team's time. And that that can be, like you said, a, a, a liability. So that that's where his issues have been. And that's why people have, you know, given up, I think, a lot on, on Kyrie Irving, which is frustrating for like a hooper because we love him. And we're like, bro, this guy is so good at basketball. I mean, th- think about it. If I did the stuff that Kyrie did, I, I would be in Shanghai somewhere playing, you know, uh, for the goddamn uh, Taiwan minnows. I don't, I don't even know. I, 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 that's where I'd be. But he's so good at basketball, you're willing to put up with the stuff that he's done, good or bad. And I think some things have been fair with him. Some things have, a lot of things have not been fair, uh, regardless of the fact of what he's done, agreeable or not. He is a remarkable basketball player. And people are still turned on by the idea of him coming to the team because they're like, man, this guy is instant box office basketball. Yeah, look, I get I get that part of it, um, but I just wanted you to explain the player side of it because, like, I remember somebody else played with him, and then I asked, I was like, "Why is he doing?" It? And then they were like, "Dude, he loves Kyrie." And I was like, "All right, okay, cool, all right." So, what does that mean? Um, none of this means that specific, but I want to ask you about you at this point, like going into this off season. Um, do you have any idea? Some idea? What are you hoping happens here? Um, you know, for me, man, like people a lot of times see my years in the league and like, Oh, you've been in 11, you know, 11 years going on 12, blah, blah, blah. You know, what, what are you thinking now? Like, bro, I'm 30, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my prime. I, I feel really good. You know, this is the best I've ever felt. Uh, my body feels great. Um, I've been working on my jump shot the past two years, changing my form, refining it, shooting the ball. I've ever, you know, better than I've ever been this past year. I had more of a <clears throat> veteran role where, you know, I was mostly, I, was, I played a lot of times. Sometimes I didn't play at all in the playoffs. I didn't play a lot. Um, but my job was to, to do things off the court as well. You know I mean? It wasn't just to have an impact on the court. Um, it's to help, you know, the guys who were playing, the guys whose numbers were called, you know, just to keep them mentally right, be there if I, you know, if I was needed and, you know, to help this team really try to grow. So Minnesota is definitely an opera, you know, a, a possibility. Uh, and that's a team that I would like to, 
for sure, you know, look at to go at uh, back to just because I feel like my, my role could even grow there uh, just with even, you know, anytime you, you, you're somewhere for more than a year, it gives yourself a time to to adjust to a team and get more acclimated and improve your role. So that's one team. But there's a lot of teams, man, with guards that, that are needed. I'm a two way player. I, I defend, uh, you know, I, I could I've been able to play around stars. I played with Jokic. I played with James. I played with Chris Paul. I played with, you know, Westbrook. I played with all. Um, and I know how to play playoff basketball. I played more than 60 games, you know what I mean? So I, 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 I'm ready to play, man. Um, I'm, but I'm also ready to be a part of, you know, young culture too, cause I've done that. So I'm pretty open, man. I'm, I'm not in a position where I'm going to have 30 teams calling my, my, my cell phone, you know? So you got to look at what's out there and then also what's best for you and where you think not only can you play another year, but where you can play and actually grow and like do the things that you work on all summer. You know what I mean? I'm just not killing time here and I'm 30. Like I said, I'm at 36. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hoop and like really try to get back after him. So I'm excited. We'll see what happens. Who, who fucking, who, who knows, man? It's the NBA. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I do think that there's been a bit more of a shift though of like, I've never understood it. Like the rebuilding teams, but the rebuilding teams are all kind of like at phase two now though. Like they've gotten their lottery picks in, they have more lottery picks coming in, but there was a real push it felt like for years where it was like well if we're rebuilding we can't have anybody who's a vet around and you're like nah, that doesn't yeah, that, make that, any sense that shift has really changed over the yeah. past like two three years you're seeing teams saying like well we need some type of <laughs> bro, ha, 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 you gotta have some type of culture in your locker room some type of guidance players who not only can be a vet but vets who can still get out on the floor and play that way like the young players can play with good basketball they can't all just be from the sideline and like you have to have like a mixture of guys who are able to do both. So I think it's very beneficial. All the great teams have them. Every team that wins has them. So yeah, I, w- I would imagine and hopeful that teams continue to look for for vets who can come in their locker room, not be a problem or distraction, understand their role, understand what they're there to do, and be ready to play and help the team uh, in any way. Yeah, I think the the problem is the front office head coach disconnect that is just natural based on what the goals are. That the front office would be afraid if I give them too many like decent vets then we're going to be closing games with all these guys. We're not going to be developing the young guys who might win a few more games than we want to, but yeah. it, it got it got overboard. Like, it got overboard where it's like, dude, is the entire, can anyone on the roster rent a car, you know? so Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> uh, all right. Austin Rivers, again, off guard every Friday, the Ringer NBA feed. You're the man. Tune Talk in. this summer. Hey, thank you, brother. Thank you for having me on. So many of us lay awake at night going through a list of what ifs. What if I get into an accident? What if I need to change my home or auto policy? But State Farm knows you would rather worry about anything else. So they're always available to answer any question in person, over the phone, or on the State Farm mobile app. So now you can spend your time pondering other things like what if playoffs shaped up differently? They need to get in touch with Captain What If, Bill Simmons, on this one. This is made for him. All right, so let, let's see. Let's, let's think about some what ifs. What if Chris Paul didn't get hurt this year? Maybe have something else last year? Get hurt against the Bucks? Would my days be better? Would I be happier? Would I have a family by now? If Chris Paul hadn't got hurt in any playoff series, would I have two kids? It's fair to ask the question. I'm not sure we know the answer. But it is a what if. What if Giannis doesn't get hurt in the first round against Miami? Could he have beaten Heat culture if he played more than half the minutes in that first round? 
What if Boston's souls didn't escape their bodies when they faced a zone? Could they have lost to Denver and had the chance to? Because they weren't beating the Nuggets either. A lot of what ifs out there. You might never stop wondering, what if my team wasn't eliminated from the playoffs? But you can at least find certainty in your insurance policy with State Farm. They're always able to answer your what if questions or anything else about your policy that you want to know. File a claim on the State Farm mobile app, or if you prefer to talk to a real person, including your agent, call anytime. It's what they do. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's french fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a french fry from McDonald's. Unless you're eating my french fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. All right, life advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com, but husband Kyle in the house. Congrats, man. How are you doing? Thank you. Doing great. Doing great. I had a big sleep yesterday. It was just thing after thing. And and then we parlayed a funeral for my grandfather who died in like November. It was just like it's like classic my family, just push everything together. So it was it was like Thursday night, which was before the wedding. That was a uh that was just a way too late sort of night where, you know, I just I don't know. I think it was destined to happen. I felt like absolute garbage, lost my phone charger, phone was dead. Um and then Friday was the wedding that went you know, as, as weddings go, a Saturday was like a big party where we had like more people than showed up to the wedding. Uh, and then Sunday was like a funeral thing. And yesterday was Monday. And now here we are. So um, I'm gonna have another big sleep tonight. And I can't wait for it. So how'd it go? How'd it go? Like based on expectations, like how you felt in the moment? Take us back, man. Dude, I was I was solid for like months. Everyone's asking like, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Are you nervous? I'm like, nah, not at all. Not at all. And then like two hours before it was... Um, God damn it. I was like, uh, like before my first, you know, live Ryan Rosillo podcast, you know, and it's like, and it was the same deal where like those, <laughs> those dudes were outside and, and they're like, just, you know, grabbing me on my shoulders. Like, you nervous, you nervous, you know, can we feed you some whiskey? And I'm like, God damn it. It's actually making yep. this way worse. So, um, and then it was raining. And so that was like, uh, this is going to be a disaster, but, um, it was kind of on me because she would had like stashed herself away. I wasn't supposed to see her until like I was up there. So um, I was kind of making the calls and I'm like, I know that she's going to say, 
outside no matter what but like it was raining like 20 minutes before so i just kept saying do you think do you think and it, it held up for like three hours and that's all we needed was like 20 20 good minutes so that was good i heard the hors d'oeuvres were awesome didn't have i had one bacon wrap scallop but uh, everyone else said the uh the, the hors d'oeuvres were great um food was good a couple broken glasses but no fights at the wedding um some guy stole a golf cart and that was bill thought that was hilarious um that was I thought we were going to get a phone call about that. That was fine. Um, and then uh, I told everybody that happens. I was, the I golf think, cart right? thing. We co- we covered that with Bill. Like those are oh, almost. Yeah. I I think they put the wedding planner puts it in that just one. Stolen. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they came up to my buddy was like, you can't leave the keys in the golf cart, man. What are you thinking? And it's it like, is a fair he point. Fired back at him like, <laughs> yeah. no, nah, what's wrong with you? So uh, that was good. Um, yeah, I don't think Bill got harassed too much. That was nice. Um, yeah, I, I told everybody I was going to the bars and just went right home. Uh, and there was there was quite a no after party. Okay, there was quite I, I don't know. I was so tired. It was the classic I like three three a.m. <laughs> three a.m. on Thursday. I was like, you know, probably probably should have went home before that. So uh, that was the big night. Is you went hard because all your boys were around, but yes. you got married on a Friday, so you yes. you went full throttle the night before. So you did you feel like shit all day? Really bad, yeah. Really, really bad. Did you drink really at bad. all? Did you have um, like a couple to get you? I over? had a, I had a whiskey shot for courage right before we left, and then uh, once <laughs> I got there, I just I like I had a beer, and then I had like one more, I think, and so it was just like one whiskey shot, two IPAs, was just kind of nervously, nervously walking around. Uh, I I was doing okay, and then I see my my brother who was supposed to give a speech later, which he did, but he starts puking. Uh, violent, before like a, a lot yeah right oh, before we're man. supposed to go out there um and I, I like you know put my hand on his back and he was like so hot and you know i was like man you're nervous you're making me nervous um but uh yeah we were we were all good there was a false start at the wedding the the guy who was running the show was like go get out there man they're about to bring her back here so get out so i'm standing up there for like i don't know felt felt like 20 minutes and then uh I was like, I'm just going to go in and check on everyone. And that's when I find my brother puking. And I'm like, all right. So I was going to be up there for like 40 minutes with everyone staring at me. Um, but yeah, then it, it went off. And that was the hard part. We did the whole thing. Heard my vows were pretty good. People thought. Um, yeah, Bill said then, both uh, you guys did. And well. then the hard part was over. It all went away. Were you nervous? Because I, I just remember, you know, I, I just don't like being the center of attention in those things. So I'm like just kind of uncomfortable with everyone coming up to me and like having something to say to me. And I just, I don't act well in those situations. I like just being kind of a guy that's not the, you know, the main guy. And so like I was, I got like a little nervous and on edge because you're right. Guys come up behind you. They put hands on your back and they constantly ask you how you're doing. It's like, dude, I'm fine. Like just leave me alone. I'm fine. Like, They're not even like, asking me. They're suggesting that I'm nervous. They're like, look yeah. at your face. God, look at your yeah. face. You're such a pussy. Like, exactly. You know. So like, so when people were like, hey, w- were you nervous? Like I wasn't nervous about getting married. I was just like nervous about you got to talk to like 200 people, you know, some of which you don't know. It's like a lot of small talk. I'm not really good at that. So was that kind of your thing too? Because that, that stressed me out probably more than anything at the entire wedding. I think the worst I'd felt, I mean, I've met like maybe four members of her family. Like her family was like, this is like one of those like rom-com movies where, you know, nobody knows the husband in it all. Like, and that's kind of what it was like her. She had a lot of family in Florida, a lot of people in Brooklyn that we just never like saw. So I'm standing up there. They're all on one side of the aisle and it's just kind of me up there. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, none of these people know me. And they're just like, I hear them talking and I'm like, oh man what is going on? And it's like, really, it was pro- probably like 15, 20 minutes. And that was probably the worst. I was like, are my legs going to give out? What's going on here? Um, so, but yeah, after that, it was really, it was just so easy. It was great. It was, um, 
the hard part was over and it immediately, immediately went away. So, so you went to bed pretty early the night of your wedding. Yeah, I think like 1130, 1130. And I, and that was a good thing because there was, um, what I've heard is like a legendary, <laughs> a legendary uh, scuffle that happened later. I but I did tell everybody we were going. I was like, we're going to the Derby, and I just ran around everyone as they were leaving, like Derby, Derby, Derby. And I just, I my phone had been dead since like seven o'clock, and I was like, there's no way there's people are gonna be able to contact me. And we just got dropped off at the Poughkeepsie Grand, and I went right to sleep. Um, and so they. Was was this like they a just, situation where you get where you're not there? So the Poughkeepsie and the New York, this is the Poughkeepsie and the New York guys. They they yeah, got, they finally figured but it they out. They banded they, together and beat the shit out of a guy. Like it wasn't oh, a it wasn't guy. each other. Yeah, they beat they beat Very the shit cool. out of a local. Yeah. Oh, wait. It's not so even- <laughs> did, did they get into a fight Thursday night and Friday night? I don't think there was a f- Thursday night. I'm not sure. I don't think so. All right, I don't but think Friday was Friday. Friday was a, Friday was a big one. Yeah. No, there was something Thursday, but I I didn't know what it was. Like, there was like two guys like branched off and did something. I don't I don't know what that was about, but uh, the big one was Friday. So the so the two sides came together to fight a local. <laughs> yeah, what happened? They found. I mean, they roughed this guy up. I heard really <laughs> was bad. Was he was he just talking shit? Was he wrong place, wrong time? Do we have any so backstory on that? I've or gotten was it just... pieces of it, and there's like, um, wait, was it multiple guys against one guy? And they're they're yeah, like, but the one guy did a really bad thing. So that's that was the. That was the issue. Okay. So I, I think like there was something when they were outside, some guy like ran into like, like hit somebody's car, like not with another car, but like they, he hit my friend's car and I guess my friend was pretty mean about it. This was the guy who set up the ocean city bachelor party thing. Uh, and then there was like, they had words and like, I don't know that I, I shouldn't even say this part, so I won't. And then, um, and then later on, I guess, he just gets my my buddy's just this is like an hour or two later he just gets tackled from behind like i've heard of ray lewis-esque tackle is what i've heard and everyone's like oh my god and then one of the the new york city guys just gets on top of him and and starts starts hitting him in the head pretty hard and so he had these big puffy hands the next day and i think everyone else was like all right let's go and and the the guy was like spitting on people it was just crazy so i i I think they really kicked his ass and um but they all banded together it was like a really like a union moment and then they were all at the party the next day and it was really, I think, it, I think everything's done with those guys. I think they're like friends for life now. That's incredible. The the <laughs> the union of marriage and then the union of New York City and the Poughkeepsie guys. Yeah, man. Just two different gangs coming Just together. Just a train right away. Yeah. It was, you know, they might hang out. They might be hanging out. So <laughs> gonna, who knows? Just going to start a fight club. They're just going to start beating yeah. people up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were, we were told to ask about, you mentioned your brother. Um, how was his date? Right, very the smiley, Russian girl, very smiley. Um, how did how did it go over? Uh, you know, grandparents have questions and comments and stuff like that. Um, I think accosted yeah. was the word. One of them, <laughs> one of them accosted her, is what I've heard. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's just she's just shy, man. I don't know. And like, and and you know, the thing that we were somebody said she we might be forty, thirty. We've we've locked in thirty two. We've locked in 32. Right. Um, it's confirmed. Looks, I mean, if she said 27, I'd be like, yeah, I buy it. Um, Look, we saw a picture of her. I get your brother's decision. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, I expected you know, we it were, to be way worse. Yeah, I expected it to be way, way worse. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. I was like, I, I tell your grandparents to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we try to talk to her a lot and just like, you know, make her feel like welcome and stuff. But I realized that, you know, 
This is like, we're talking really fast. I saw a video of like what English sounds like to non-English speakers. And it's pretty, it's pretty fast, you know? So like, uh, you know, he'd say something like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was talking to somebody that said they were angry about something. And she's just like, whoa, 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 are you angry at me? And, and it's like, and then you're trying to compensate like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then she's all like flustered. So it's been, it's been hard to break through the ice. You know, we both smoke cigarettes. So I mean, that we could bond over that, I guess. But uh, I don't know. We'll get there. She's there for the whole summer. So, <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll keep working on her. Just like an uncle who's uncomfortable next to her sitting there. No one else is around. <laughs> He just looks at her and he's like, the Ukraine, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh man. yeah so like, that's... No, I'm just, just trying to stay topical. Uh, okay. I think happy we have you, it. Dude. Very happy yeah. for you, man. Thank super you. Super happy. Yeah. Thank you. How, how was, I mean, every the wife, every, she was happy with everything. It was good. She was, you know, there were no hiccups, whatever. That's always... Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, I think I steamrolled. She had an emo hour that was planned for music. And, uh, I just, yeah. I just what? walked right up to the DJ and I was like, I think it's time for some T-Pain. And we just, she did get steamrolled on that. But other than that, she was super, super happy with everything. But I mean, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking friends, the Venn diagrams couldn't really be further apart, uh, between hers and mine. And it was just like, there was going to be, I don't know, maybe five people that were going to enjoy this panic at the disco and, and other stuff like that. And, uh, I just kind of walked right up. I didn't even know I was doing it until I was like in the DJ's ear. I'm like, all right, we're going to buy you a drink T-Pain and keep that moving, keep it going. And, uh, that really worked. But so other than, other than her never getting those sad songs, uh, it was all good. That's all right. Yeah. I like that vote. All Executive right. Decision. Um, let's, let's segue that into a life advice about some, you know, protocol at a wedding. Five, seven, or excuse me, five, ten. 175. Yeah. Sorry, Jeez. five seven. Seven guys catching a straight today from Saruti chuckling. Um, five ten, one seventy-five, cardio body. All right. By the way, I did do yoga for the first time ever in my life this <laughs> you week. Have, I've Earth. never seen you happier. I've, not, I've never seen Ryan happier. He called me yesterday. I hopped on the Zoom today. He was talking about it. This is incredible stuff. Yeah, but I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do the full share. Although Thursday's gonna be tough too, because you got a pretty loaded show. Uh, all right. I'm not going to do the yoga thing because we've already talked about it. Maybe we could, but I don't, we don't need to do it yet. All right. Here we go. This guy has a cardio body though. So that's good. We need a ruling on dress code at a wedding. My fiance and I went to a wedding last night where everyone was in your typical wedding attire with one exception. One of the bridesmaids, let's call her Sarah husband. Let's call him Lance came dressed in cargo shorts, a short sleeve Columbia button down. <laughs> nice. He's going fishing. Dude, those they have great gear. I would love to know like the Columbia business model, and then they just go. We got to keep making these SEC Columbia button down short sleeves. Like I have to get one. I have to get one because when I first saw them, I'm like, that's the worst fucking look ever. And now I respect it so much because I still think it's terrible. And I I'd almost ha- want to have somebody on from Columbia be like, do you understand how much we, money we make on those short those like shirts alone is it the same columbia jacket company yes totally yeah yeah, yeah. it is it's like right? an outdoors okay. company yeah i mean it's just like a big bag essentially how could it not be comfortable i love columbia i somebody stole my jacket in college i ended up stealing a large woman's jacket <laughs> instead of the place and i wore it for the rest of the year i love that thing so much they have great gear i'm not talking about the jackets i agree with you on that stuff I okay, just these specific like sort of are you in the military no i just really like south carolina <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> 
Do you know what I'm talking about? I, you might I not know, exactly know what, what I'm talking about. What, I got to find out might. what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get the, the model on that one. Maybe I'll it'll go three wide and order us all one. <laughs> all right. Um, Sarah's obviously a close. Wait, wait, wait. All right. So cargo shorts, short sleeve Columbia. We covered it. Sneakers. According to Sarah, he does this defiantly because he doesn't like his wife, quote, ordering him to dress up. <laughs> Not really up to the wife uh, here, Lance. Sarah's Bahama obviously Bahama what's it called? Shirt. Bahama shirt. I don't think it's a short sleeve. Shirt. Yeah, it's got that. It's, it has like two different parts in the back. It almost looks like Velcro. Oh yeah, it's got like vents in it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does it have lapels too? I think. Mm, let's see that. That would be crazy. Lapels. I think I've seen him with lapels. Anyway, back to the email. All right. Uh, Sarah's obviously a very close friend of the bride, so to have her husband Lance dressed like a slob is, in my opinion extremely disrespectful to his wife in the wedding party. It's also important to note that Sarah's family was also at the wedding as they've known the bride since they were in grade school. Here's our dilemma. My fiance and I are getting married in the near future and Sarah is good friend as a good friend of ours. who will be invited to the wedding. However, I told my fiance that if Lance dressed like a slob, I'd rather him not come to the wedding. Should we address this with Sarah ahead of time to make sure Lance doesn't dress like a slob? Do we simply not worry about this and have it not affect our wedding? Or do we invite Sarah but not give her a plus one attached? Here's a picture of Lance for reference. Love the pod. Yeah, this guy doesn't give a fuck. No caps, by the way. <laughs> this no is caps? Mid- None. So, uh, I mean, this is like, I don't know if it's the angle here or what, but it could be a zinc deficiency. Um, <laughs> there's... This picture is amazing because they are like mid party. I don't know who this five eleven chick is, but uh, yeah, I mean this guy's dressed like an asshole. But the idea that he's doing it to push back at the wife, ordering him to do it, you're you're being defiant towards tradition, you know. Now I've been to a few. I've been to weddings on all ends of the spectrum financially, right? I've seen it all. Um. There is always kind of the social studies teacher guy that shows up in the sandals and cargo and then maybe does like some sort of weird button down hybrid thing. Ponytail. Yeah, there's always a oh, great call. The ponytail ratio is high. And look, I love social studies. So, you know, my favorite. Our social, our social studies teacher in high school let us call him by his first name. He did not <laughs> command the room. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Same. Bob Brown, one of my favorite teachers of all time. Modern Russia, great class. Okay, but was there a respect level? Because our guy Ben just didn't seem to get enough respect. He ben. was openly a communist. He would just he was he was a communist. Oh <laughs> but people liked him. He was a cool guy. Yeah. He moved to Portland. <laughs> uh, uh, he, had, he had like that Friar John haircut too, like you know, like ball spot, but like long and kind of like almost like the Tim Tebow one that they gave him. But you know, as a joke, <laughs> he had it on purpose. Yep, that was his thing. Yeah, but uh, big slacks, big shirt. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Good I guy. think like anything, our emailer here has to do all the math on like what what's the hassle tally going to be? Is the bigger hassle telling your wife's one of her closest friends who apparently was going to be in the wedding too, like you can come, but you don't have a plus one. All right, so that's one version. The other one is both of you aren't invited, which is going to really, I would imagine bum out your wife's friend and then option three is okay this guy looks like an asshole like it matters to our emailer here it matters to him i have friends like this where it matters um they feel disrespected can't get over it 
Right. I think the three of us collectively would be like, if you want to dress like an asshole, dress like an asshole. I hope somebody but says th- something to you. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I don't. But, you know, the other thing, it's a bit like the Chipotle sauce thing. What if everybody wanted to dress like Lance? Oh, you know, next wow. thing you know, it's a Dave Matthews concert at your place. <laughs> yes. You know, and you're kind of, you're kind of like, well, wait, this isn't. So, you know, this, this dude who thinks he's like, you know, really just fighting back at the man. What? Okay. You know, I would just laugh at him be like, what a hero, what a hero this guy is (laughs) and avoid the hassle of what it seems like a pretty important invite to the rest of the wedding um, because of your wife, but you're right. Like we're on your side. I, it might just be me being older. I certainly, I don't think anybody would call me like, you know, I'm certainly intense about some things, rigid about some things, but this would be, I don't know. I, I, I can't, the, the idea of me even thinking about my make-believe wedding of where it would be and what the attire would be. Like there was one I went to in Chicago like 10 years ago. It was at the Drake. It was like a grand affair. Like that was the, the idea. It was like in society magazines. It was a big fucking deal. If that guy showed up to that dress like this, dudes may have been like, you need to just leave. Hmm. And it was understood. Like, you got invited to this thing. This is what the people hosting the wedding wanted to be. So I really think it's kind of lame for the person to do this. But, you know, it's up to you how which hassle lane you want to be in. Yeah, I like a I like a little deviation. Like, Tate was wearing Jordans. He got a couple, he got a couple uh, comments on that. But that like, you know, that's that's a thing that's done. But yeah, that's if you look like you're about to go like hike a trail and uh, you go smoke a doobie, I think. I don't know. I guess it, it, like what you said just with the Drake Hotel, like how much are you spending on this wedding? Like, is it like my wedding where it's like, you know, it was at a it was at a state park or a state protected thing. And it's, you know, kind of close to the highway. And, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be really bothered by it that much to to try to alter, you know, friendships about it, because even like. You know, I, I we had that uh, that thing on Sunday for my for my grandfather. A lot of my family came in for that, and just even people not getting invited to a wedding by accident don't like it. So if you like, you know, disinvite somebody because of something, I don't know. You just you got to be prepared to pay for that for the rest of your time that you're around them. So I'd I'd kind of let it rock and and ha- and just have people there be like, hey, if that guy shows up looking like an asshole, would you just <laughs> would you just make him feel a little bad about it? Yeah, that's I mean. I, Brian, you said the three of us wouldn't really care. Yeah, it's not that I wouldn't care, but I think it would be funny because everyone would just make fun of that guy. I think you have to make him feel bad. Like I would like what's you wait. Do we have a picture of him or no? We don't have a picture. We do a picture in the last email. Is he a big guy? No, remember his calves are shitty. Oh, the calves. Okay, that's right. (laughs) Because I, I, I'm wondering if like I would invite him to see if he does it again. Because I wouldn't be, af- I wouldn't be offended by it. But he's the one that looks like the asshole. You're not the one that people aren't gonna like, you know, look down on you because some asshole dressed like an idiot at your wedding. It's his problem, not your problem. Right. But and I, I, I get the, the e- I know I, I get what you're saying. I get that right. he's the emailers doesn't like it. So I, he's in a different, I guess, space than we are. But I would just get a bunch of your buddies and family members to just make fun of this guy if he comes to the next wedding. Just start calling him Big Tuna, like uh, like from The Office. <laughs> And just, just start making fun of him. Like, that's what I would. And then just shame him into feeling like tuna, an asshole. Tuna, tuna, tuna. Uh, yeah, but then you want to be a little careful because if it's a younger group here, what did, what did our guy say? He was 37? Um, well, we didn't get an age. That's seven. I can't stop. Sh- I can't that shake from? the sevens today. Yeah, I don't know where the 37 came from. Maybe it was a different email. I think it might be. Uh, 
If it's a really younger crew, though, and you're telling your boys, like, you have free license to haze <laughs> this guy, then I, that's going to end up being way worse than him just looking. To, I just don't, I don't know. Honestly, my biggest issue is with his rationale of it. Like, do you not own any nice clothes? Have some respect. Like, do you, right. Do you, you do it because you're, what do you think? You're the only fucking guy in the history of us walking around upright that had your lady say, can you tighten it up this weekend? <laughs> you know, what the fuck, man? I, I will Just, say like the, the other side of that, though, is like the people and I've never really been to one of these. I've been to black tie weddings, but they're not really strictly enforced. Like I haven't been to the one you were describing in Chicago, Ryan. Um, but we were full tuxes and gowns like you got to. Yeah, but I don't know. It's what the it's what the couple wanted. And honestly, it was fun. It was cool that it was like this high level wedding. But granted, it was fun. It wasn't like stuffy. It wasn't anything like they made. But they made like it. a bunch of rich people, right? I'd imagine like, you know, we're high profile, you know. This was yeah, like but it was everybody ago, was it was it was at an age though where it wasn't like if anybody was rich, it was because of family money at that point. Like nobody was individually just wealthy at that stage of our lives. But the fun thing about the wedding too is that my buddy knew just to kind of fuck with the whole thing a little bit is he invited a magician because he knew <laughs> most people don't like magicians. And so there was like a magician doing shit in them. And we we're like, wait, so on top of all of this stuff, um, and then he like pushed and pushed. I think he had his wife. Okay. an Elvis impersonator. And then the funny part is, you know, like we always do is we sneak off to the sidebar to just be dudes. And we like found this other room it's the best. and the Drake has a million. And I'm not talking about the, the restaurant that's open in the morning, although that place took a, took a hit that weekend, but that's where we ended up with the Vince Vaughn thing. And I had him on the show, started bullshitting. And then as soon as I went over to say hello, I ruined it for him. And his wife looked at me like, you're the fucking worst. Because then like 50 people from the wedding party like left one side of it. Yeah. Anyway, um, there was another point that you were making there. It's kind of like golf, like a golf course. Like when people go, oh, you have to wear a collared shirt or, oh, you have to do this or you, oh, you can't do this. Like, oh, that's so lame. I get people saying it's lame. Go play golf somewhere else then. You know what I mean? Like if you don't want to accept what you think are stuffy, outdated, traditional bullshit stuff that doesn't mean anything, okay, I might agree with you, but don't show up to that course being annoyed that it's not some municipal that doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah, the irony too for the for like the anti-golf apparel guys, golf apparel is like so comfortable now too. It's all just dry fit, nice, loose fitting stuff. It's it's like the most comfortable version of what you could wear. Uh and if you're just gonna go up there in like a ripped t-shirt, then you're just being a defiant asshole at that point. Yeah, unless the course just doesn't care. Wow, yeah. which is a place I play. Sometimes those courses are great. Yeah, I love courses yeah. that don't care. But yeah, no, if you're I get a decent course, do your like, come on, have some respect. Yeah, because I've I've been to courses like when I was younger and played and I was you know, pretty rough around the edges still. And then I'd show up and I, like within five minutes, like, no, you're not supposed to do that. And 20 something me is like, well, it's stupid. The guy's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Think it's stupid and go play Quinny Ask. Yeah. Don't care. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. This one is this, this one's tough. One, because I think it might be fake, but he included a picture. Let's read this one. Hello, Ryan, Steve, and newlywed Kyle. 5'9", 150, don't go to the gym. Recently rented a house in SoCal with my girlfriend of eight years and her mom. 
so they could be close to one another. After being here for one month, she met another guy online and instantly fell for him. After a month of her deciding what she wanted to do, she broke up with me. All right, so to recap, our guy weighs 150. He's 5'9". Um, rented a house in Southern California with his girlfriend and the mother. A month ago, the girlfriend meets a dude online and then decides, I'm going to break up with you. Did you know that she had already met the guy online? Like, how's that going with Steve? <laughs> Why you were living there? She was like or really she, pushy about moving or, to LA. <laughs> or did she say like, hey, I met this guy a month ago. You didn't know about it. And today I'm breaking up with you, but I've known this guy for a month. Okay. It's only been two weeks since the breakup, but she's already moving out of state to be with this other guy, leaving me to live with her mom for no. the remainder of the lease through the next through next March. We're still friendly, even though I'm completely lost and hurt by the sudden change, but I can't bear to even think about her new life and losing her, not to write a sob story. I'll tell you what, living with her mom isn't going to fix that anytime soon. <laughs> On speakerphone with her all the time. All right. Big question. <laughs> There's another question to this? Big question. She's supposed to fly to see him for a week, but wants me to drive her 16 hours there and back so she doesn't have to fly. This is where I thought it was fake. Yeah, this, I don't know. Important side note, the new guy doesn't know her and I were dating or still living together and thinks I've been out of the picture for months now. Do I do it as a friend? Do I blow the lid off of it all and tell her, this guy her lies? Do I just suck it up and move on, hoping maybe this all blows up in her face on her own with her own bad karma and maybe get her back one day? Living in, uh, we're not going to say the town. Um, he's living somewhere else not much of a dating scene not sure how to even get back out there you can share the location i don't mind p.s she's way out of my league i'll enclose a photo for reference um yeah i don't know she's attractive is it just a photo of her or is it the two of them the two of them together okay uh that's why i read it because it felt a little more real because the photo then matched the, the profile thing all right uh I'm a little thrown off, though. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess the town he would say is, yes, it's Southern California. All right. <laughs> How about do none of these things and be out by the end of the day? I know we're going to talk about lease and all these different things. Like, I don't know if you got totally worked here, but you kind of got worked. I don't know if it was planned out. Like, you'd have to be a really devious individual to be like, I'll date you for a bit. You'll get us the apartment. I'll move in my mom. She'll be good to go. And then the second everything's settled, I'm going to fucking bounce. All right. So I know it's really easy for me to say I would pack up my bags, but your name is on the lease here. What are you going to do? Pay the rent for the mom while you're gone? Can you go to the mom? Can you go to them and say, hey, look, this is fucking ridiculous. I don't want to be involved in this. Or are they actually going to say to you, well, hey, sorry, dude, you're on the lease. And honestly, there's a chance it may go that way because it already sounds like they're pretty shitty people. Um, you saying, do I like ride it out and remain a friend so I could be together with her at one point? You know, that's that's insane. And I know you're hurting right now, so you may be thinking of it that way. If you truly only want to get her back, the only way to get her back is to tell her to fuck off and do nothing for her or her mom. All right. That would be the only way. I already know who this girl is. I already know how she's wired. All right. You got used. And the fact you're even, if this is true, 
debating whether or not you should drive eight hours that way and then back to drop her off to this new dude so she could save money on flying, which tells me financially that they're not exactly assets. All right. And that might be another reason why you're in this situation. Um, Like the balls to do that to you. And then, hey, do you mind driving me? to go sleep with another guy while you're this depressed. Like, again, if this is even true, she's evil, dude. She's evil. All right? So you need to find a way to, you know, you could sit there and I'm going to say like, oh, ask them, hey, can you just take over the lease? They're going to say no to probably all this stuff, right? They're going to say no to all this stuff. They might start squatting. The mom might start squatting on you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Your place is going to be like Airbnb'd when you go drive your (laughs) ex-girlfriend. So. I don't know if you can go to the landlord. I don't know if you can explain the situation. I don't know what you can do. Although I'd be willing to just risk all the credit report stuff at this point. I'd be like, I don't fucking, I'm going to live in the low 600s for a bit. I don't give a fuck. I would not, I would not stay another day in this situation. Uh, because if this is actually a real email and there's some things that tell me that it is, even though it seems absurd. I mean, why would you let, somebody do this to you why would you why would you look we all get dumped we all get betrayed maybe not all but you know you're around long enough in the game it's going to happen to you and there's always going to be times you're like you know really upset you know it's going to happen it's you're going to keep doing it long enough dating and all this kind of stuff you're going to have some some relationships you you wish you'd never been involved with right but you're only allowing yourself to get worked every day that you're still involved in this deal so um, no offense, but your girlfriend's a shitty person, like a really shitty person. Ex-girlfriend. Like, right. Ex-girlfriend. <laughs> it's not that she talked to somebody else. It happens. It's not that she broke up with you. That happens. The moving in with the mom thing. I would blow my brains out, but you know, good for you. <laughs> uh, but then to go, do you mind driving me so I don't have to spend money on tickets that, you know, I'm only getting your version of events here, but you know, that's. This is not exactly making anybody listening to this be like, no, wait, here's where he went wrong. So you have to find, you have to figure out the least painful and how willing you're, you know, and all the stuff that sucks and breaking the lease and all that kind of stuff, like least painful to most painful extraction from this. But the extraction is the most important part. Do her no favors. The fact that she even asked, the fact that you're even emailing us. Like, have you been taken advantage before by people in the past? Do you think you got taken advantage here by the entire family situation? Maybe you need to ask yourself some tougher questions about how you are and what you allow to happen around yourself uh, because you can't, you know, you got to get out of there, man. You got to figure out a way to get out of there. Yeah. You're the dude in this early 2000s rom-com comedy thing that hasn't met the main love interest yet. Like, this is the beginning. Yeah. This is the beginning of the movie where you know she's she's caught in you know with your cousin or something yeah. like that, and then you hope it's you like have like a school. cool, funny. Yeah, I hope you have like a cool, funny, raunchy friend who's like, "Fuck that bitch, man!" And yeah. like, to, and then you and you go. Do We're going to Daytona. Your, yeah, exactly. You catch the early flight home yeah. from San Diego. I hope you have something <laughs> like that. I think you should probably stop talking to her because the fact that she even, the fact that she even asked you to you know to do this drive. Uh, suggests that maybe you've had some pretty pathetic conversations in the last month or so where she feels like comfortable enough, like, oh yeah, I could totally do this. I got this. Watch this. And I'm not trying to be mean. I just mean, it sounds like maybe the vibe you're giving no, off. No, be mean. That, like, it, it just sounds like the vibe yeah. you're giving off is like, I'll be available for any type of favors that you need. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, 
like no matter what you said, like, it's fine. It doesn't matter because, you know, we're going to get back together one day. And she's like, OK, uh, pick me up at eight or something. I don't know what you've been saying, but it sounds like you should just you might not even have the strength to not to not be like to talk to her and not offer to do things or, or not be taken advantage of. So you might have to just cut this, cut this communication off and then do it. Ryan said, figure out a way to get out of there. If you're renting a house in Southern California, I don't know if it's a shitty town, but it sounds like you probably got a little money that houses are the, the difference between renting a house and like a two bedroom apartment is actually, it's you know, pretty sizable in a lot of places. So you might be able to get into a one bedroom and not be hurting. Um, so I would, yeah, I would figure out, take the hit. Do not talk to this person because it sounds like you can't help it right now. You're even the, even what you're suggesting that what's the best course of action here? Do I do it? And whatever. You obviously want to get back. So you, you're just not, you're not in a place right now to be able to, to draw any sort of line. So I think you gotta, you might have to block it, whatever. Um, and then just start focusing on getting out of there because you can't even think straight, man. I mean, her mom's, you know, her mom's in there probably in the kitchen on speakerphone asking her how she's doing. You know, old people love the speakerphone. So you're probably hearing this girl's voice like once every week at least. So you just got to get out of there uh, and just, yeah, take the hit. 600s are great. I mean, you could do a lot of stuff in the low 600s. You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be you surprised what kind of offers are out there yeah, you're for fine. a 620. <laughs> The thing that the key here to me is the mom like your this girl is clearly like she's like conning you. She's basically a low level con artist in the making. Maybe she's on to bigger things here. If the mom has also no sympathy and she's totally cool just seeing this out and staying with you until March for the for the housing situation. I, yeah, you're you're being conned. Like these are just two terrible people. And then you need to figure out whatever situation is to get out of that as soon as possible. I will say to our guy like, you know. I think it's easier said than done. Like some guys just aren't built to be the asshole. Some guys are just a little, especially if you're dating someone that's like way out of your league. Um, you know, you kind of want to keep it together. Right? Big favor it, doer. It makes yeah. you feel good about yourself. And I, I'm, I've, I haven't been to this extreme, but I've been in that situation. And like, you kind of do dumb things because you're like, I really like dating this hot chick because it makes me feel cool. And I, people like look at me and they think I'm a better person. So you got to have some self-respect for yourself. But you're like, this is obviously embarrassing. She's using you. You know, the ride thing is just, that's an absolute hard no. Um, if you still want to rent the house, just tell her, Hey, I, you know, I want to find a roommate. Like we're not living together. We're not together anymore. You can still stay there, like, and figure out an exit plan for the mom, but tell her that there needs to be an exit plan because you're not going to live with her mom for the rest of the summer and you know, or whatever into March. Um, that's such a long time. I got a long time. time of year. It's just like, what, nine months or something. So yeah, dude, it's that's March. Not, that's just not something you can do. That's, not, that's just not, like, that's going to, what do you, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I would feel weird if I was the mom in that situation, just living with my child's ex for almost a year after she pulls something like that like that's unless, just a shitty person as well unless the mom's like the daughter is that like, yeah that's great this this guy like that's what i'd really like to know did they are they like this evil is it just the daughter are they like this guy helped you know make sure everything could work out now we're living together and then like it's a month in she was already talking to some other guy then dumps you and then asks for a ride to his place and the mom's still going to be in there like, dude, we try to have an open mind about a lot of this stuff, but you're getting fucking worked. Maybe there's like a buddy who would absolutely have no problem living with an older woman that you've got and, and just try to get him in there and be like, maybe make her life a little weird. You know, it sounds like Kyle, you may have stumbled onto something. Sleep with the mom. A little jealousy in the <laughs> I house. I thought about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a Get a guy in there who's got no shame, you know. Uh, no, I'm talking about the emailer. I guess that would be tough. I mean, I don't I mean, know. The how girl is talking. cute. The mom. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. I guess <laughs> I'm going to guess. And this isn't a knock on the emailer that because I'm that I'm that guy, too. I don't think he has it in him. 
I, I, that's a that's a whole nother level of just fucking debauchery that I just some Sarudi, I, don't have I know I Sarudi, <laughs> I know you 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 would have moved out you would have figured something out yeah yeah I mean I don't know that but again if a guy's like the money situation I don't know what it is like it's tight I guess sometimes you got to live with what it is but I would have I would have been out of there in two seconds I can't ask my parents for much you know but I would definitely be like hey dad I need two grand to get out of here right now I promise you I'll get back to you here's what happened he'd be like wow that's fucked up okay <laughs> get to a Western Union. Like, you know, I, I don't want to ask my parents for money for a lot, but if this was the case and I, if, if the only reason I haven't moved out is because of money, I'd be like, Dad, you really got to help me out here. I got no shame in asking this. And I think he would be like, yeah, that's crazy. Let's let's see what we could do here. <laughs> so uh, I think that you got to get out of there. You can't say money's the way, the reason you can't. Yeah, my father would have been so pissed at me, I wouldn't even have called him. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it would have been super yeah. disappointing, but I, I think I still would have called him. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's, I, I probably, I don't even know. I mean, I just know I would have left. Yeah, somehow. I also know, I mean, dude, I'm 40. I'm not even married. I also know I wouldn't move in with a girlfriend, never mind her mom. Yeah, so there's a lot of I steps think, that, yeah, you know. I think there's a lot of stuff that didn't happen. Okay. All right. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Life advice. Life advice rr at gmail.com. Thanks to Saruti. And of course, thanks to the newlywed Kyle. Fire it up for you, buddy. And we'll be back on Thursday. And then live in New York, Gramercy Theater next week. And then a big draft show uh, with Bill and I. So still a uh, lot to go. And then free agency and all this other stuff. So we're still rolling around after the playoffs. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IN-INDIANA, one 800 522 Four seven hundred or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.